well, thank you, everybody that was able to make it. I really appreciate everybody being here. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, tonight's discussion, um, I think is pretty important and is a good uh, segue stepping stone into addressing a larger issue within the community. Um, but that is, um, how do we address improving diversity and inclusion within our InfoSec community, um, specifically targeting our uh, recruiting and hiring practices? So I definitely know that I'm not probably the best person to speak on the subject. Uh, so I might be more of a passive participant, um, just wanting to give everybody else maybe a space to talk, discuss, share ideas, um, share some of your own personal experiences, um, just to see if maybe we can come up with some good ideas. Well, um, let me go ahead and kick this off. Um, so good afternoon, good evening, good morning for Chris. Um, so thank you very much, everybody, for coming together. This is a this is a uh, topic that is very uh, near and dear to my heart as we start Hispanic. Um, um, oh, I've been saying it wrong. Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, I said Hispanic Awareness Month in my stream and everybody corrected me. Uh, oh, look, there's a Hispanic. Um, so, you know, this this last uh, week, there was a very interesting article that came out. Um, where it had a some a notes from an Aspen Institute uh, research that they did over the last year, and uh, the numbers were just amazing. And I um, redoubled my effort with our new foundation, Raíces Cyber, um, a Hispanic uh, Hispanic Association in Cybersecurity. So the racial and ethnic diversity in the cybersecurity infosec world is as follows. Um, based on their article that they have here, um, the percentage of blacks in the cybersecurity workforce is 9%, Hispanic is 4%, Asian is 8%, and Native American, um, American Indian, Alaskan Native and Native Hawaiian combined is 1%. Those numbers are atrocious, um, especially for where where I live here in the Hispanic, Latino, Latina, and Latinx community. Four percent of the cybersecurity workforce in the U.S. is is Hispanic. Um, that that for the inclusion and diversity issues, that is just just ridiculous, um, in my view. So. Um, I'll just open it up with that. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing to address that with the foundation that we just, uh, started is, you know, allowing for more inclusion, allowing for more diversity, bringing to the, to the forefront, the needs of the community to, and, and like I say, and our allies, um, to bring in more folks from high school, middle school, junior hot, junior colleges, et cetera, et cetera, into the world of cybersecurity. And we're doing that in four different ways, you know, networking events, um, which networking, as you all know, is, is the crux of, of, of getting in there and getting that, um, the mentorship piece, 
um, the education piece um, and the um, and the job and, and, and the job market and trying to find people jobs. So that's kind of our four pillars in how we are trying to address that diversity and inclusion. Okay, and I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I would like to continue. Uh, my name is Alberto. I am from Uruguay. And, well, I have been working in cybersecurity for some years now, so uh, that's it about me. Uh, being in Uruguay, a country that is only has only 3 million people living here, we are very small and we all know each other. The cybersecurity community is very small and, well, basically we, we really know almost each other. And in this country, the policies about inclusion uh, in, are, are, very, are very good. I mean, for example, the government uh, requires that if you are um, posting a new vacancy for a position, for certain positions, you have to uh, fill those vacancies with certain percentage of people that, for example, are Afro-American descendants, people with disabilities. Uh, so in that, in that uh, point, I think the, the country is, well, is doing a well, uh, a well job. When it comes to cybersecurity, well, there's a problem that is uh, seen worldwide. There's a lack of trained cybersecurity professionals. Uh, we have an estimated of uh, 600 people that are professionals in that field. But uh, there is a big gap uh, with, when it comes with the gender element. Fewer than 10% of the cybersecurity professionals uh, in Uruguay are women, only less than per 10%. And in the government, in the agency that uh, works in, in security in the government, they have uh, only three in 20, 27 teams uh, only three are women working there. Uh, in Deloitte Cybersecurity, which is another point of reference in, in that field, a team that is uh, has 10 members, only has three women uh, working there. And well, uh, that's the reality of this country. Uh, I have noticed that, uh, I, I mean, I don't uh, know I really know a very few women into the field, and I have talked to many of, of them, and they have tell, they have told me that they really find it complicated to get uh, inserted or to get involved uh, in in the community. Uh, they don't feel like they're being welcome, or they have, they find it hard to 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 be accepted uh, in 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 or, I mean I am part for example of OWASP Uruguayan chapter we organize events and it's it's a, I mean everybody's welcome there but there are no women in the OWASP uh, Uruguayan chapter and I always encourage uh, all the women that tell me those things to to join us because uh, we are really open we are really uh, everybody has the door open to to collaborate but i don't know maybe they feel uncomfortable i don't know what the the root cause of that problem is and well uh i i i, I also contact chris uh, chris remember that i told you that you should you should uh, submit some 
call for papers and uh, proposals to the events in South America, because I think it is a reality of South America, not only Uruguay, uh, these numbers that I am telling. So uh, it would be great if women can see that other women are, are, are in cybersecurity all over the world, succeeding, being great professionals in order to to push them to to, to, to let the fear away and, and get into the, the field, which is something that would be wonderful. That's what I have to say. Hello. Well, I think that's a really good point is people need to <clears throat> see other people like them in the field uh, to actually recognize, okay, this person is like me, so I can do the same types of things that that person who looks like me uh, can do. And that's one thing that is kind of lacking right now is enough um, women role models, enough uh, Hispanic, African-American, et cetera, role models. Um, and it, it's difficult. Um, <clears throat> one of the uh, things that I remember when I was a wee little girl was there was not, for example, very many role models that were women engineers or there were not very many role models of Hispanic professionals. Um, and we need that. We need to see that people like us can succeed so that we can uh, picture ourselves in their shoes. I yeah, inspiring, inspiring is something that uh, is a powerful tool to do that. I mean, if you as a woman can inspire other women, that's the most powerful weapon that we can use in order to to solve these these issues. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree uh, with what you guys are saying because if you know, a lot of people get. Um, Look, even even after 32 years of being in this career, I just had a just I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I just got called by a recruiter for a CISO position in a company and I looked at their entire makeup of their company and um, there was out of 22 people in their leadership page, um, there was one minority. Um, I looked at that company and I said, you know, is that the right place for me? And, uh, if I said, you know, is that the right place for me? Then I can't imagine somebody trying to break into the career, be it a woman, be it a man, be it a, uh, a, his, a Hispanic, black, Latino, trans, um, or any, you know, person coming in, uh, to the, to the environment and not seeing themselves represented, I can I can imagine how how crazy it will be, and how they would say, "Just no, I'm not going to join this organization or join this 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 field, because I'm always going to be a minority. I'm always going to be ostracized, or I'm always going to be the the you know uh, I hate to say it this way, but the token, you know." And uh, it's just it's it's just hard for that, and somehow we've got to change the makeup. I, I agree with that. I don't know if everybody can hear me. No, yeah. 
With Helene. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but it's like sometimes you just don't have a choice. It's like this is the job that's going to hire me. So you, when you look at those like profiles of the C-suite, you know, the diversity, quote unquote, that they have there or whatever, the lack of, you know, it's just another thing that you're just kind of dismayed by, you know, it's not really something that so you're often able to have the choice, unfortunately, to be like, oh, I'd rather not work for that company because unfortunately the vast majority of them are, are that way. Well, I'll, I'll ask you directly a question. So if you had to choose, if you had the choice, um, you know, would you want to work for a company that shows diversity and inclusion or is more, I guess, different or a traditional, I'll call it a New York City boardroom, if you will. Uh, I'm hoping I'm very descriptive. Right, so right. How, how would you, how would you? You know, well, it's certainly if I had the option, I would I would shop the, the most diverse company that I could find. You know, were that an option? Um, so I think you're on to something. We all want that, but in, unfortunately, getting that C-suite to change is going to take a bit of work. Oh yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Maxine. Um, this is my first time in one of these spaces, so I'm not really sure about the format. Um, I'm really happy to be here and that Parky invited me and I've enjoyed listening to all of you guys. Um, so I, on the point that Colleen and Eric were talking about um, related to um, how the diverse a place is and how likely it is that they would hire you if you will see more diversity, I would kind of agree with with the idea that if you do see that a place is diverse, you're probably more likely to get into that company or or, or workplace than you you would elsewhere. So for, for example, for me, I recently got hired uh, to work two cybersecurity jobs after spending uh, two and a half months looking for a job. And um, you know, it was it was very disappointing to you know apply everywhere and not really get the response you want, right? Seeing the emails that sometimes are automated, hit your inbox saying, uh, unfortunately, we're looking for other candidates, right? It's really disappointing and eventually can get to you and you start wondering more about like your skills and then you're wondering, is this, is this about my, my race? Maybe, maybe it's my color. What, do I need to look wider or something, right? Sometimes um, I, those thoughts uh, came into my mind and uh, I was I was getting very negative uh, during the last week before I was offered the two jobs. Um, I was just like entered like a little bit of a depression and um, I was really disheartened and I reached out to some friends uh, who were in the in IT and uh, they were like you know this is a tough field to get into no matter what cybersecurity or software engineering, it can be very hard if you're just entry level. And that was my case, right? I'm not, I'm coming into cybersecurity from uh, doing communications work and media work, right? So definitely the only training I have is uh, the schooling that I did um, uh, since since February and, my, and I graduated in August. So that was pretty much the only experience with cybersecurity. So um, he, you know, he said, you know, just keep going, you know, be persistent, have faith, don't give up. And 
finally, I one day I was just like, you know what, let me apply to a place around here where I live. Uh, and I live in the state of New Mexico. And as many of you may know, New Mexico is very diverse. Um, at least the big cities are Las Cruces, Albuquerque, Santa Fe. It's very, very, uh, very diverse. And so, you know, I was like, well, let me try Let me try it at this place. And I uh, and applied. And a week later, the recruiter called me. A week later, I was interviewing with a hiring manager. And um, and then a few days later, you know, I was offered the position. <clears throat> so um, I felt that it really helped that a lot of the people that interviewed me in the panels happened to be minorities. <clears throat> And the hiring manager herself is is female, um, and so the IT team, from what I saw, was was a nice group of uh, men of color. Um, uh, you know, the woman who is uh, my boss now, um, and 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 maybe you know, I maybe it was helpful. You know, that I ended up seeking a place to work that reflected my my identity. So, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to say. Well, I mean, I think that's an important point because, I mean, we spend so much time at work, right? So <clears throat> work becomes that, that, that second family, that second life. And we want to be in spaces where we feel like we can be a bit more ourselves and there are people like us. Right. Agreed. But it's also nice to be in spaces where there are people are, that are not like us, right? Um, you know, having a diverse team, having people that think differently, think of some different avenues that you do, that's, there's some, something to that. Even, you know, like the differences in experience, the newer person coming at it with the fresh eyes versus, you know, us older people that have been in it for a while, kind of stuck in our ways, to, you know, certain, to a certain extent. So, you know, Having those eyes for that diverse team is important, I think, as much as it's, you know, it's safe to surround ourselves with people like ourselves. We kind of need to break out of that habit. I think uh, personally for me, it also helped that I had a connection with the hiring manager, not not like a person connection, but we had we shared similar backgrounds. We had lived in the same cities. We had had um, some of the same experiences. So I think some of it is, you know, finding that right person that is is um, not just looking at you as a minority, but is also seeing you as the rest of you, right? If you're an artist, if you are, um, if you have certain hobbies, and and they see that on your resume or on your LinkedIn or or whatever, I think that can also boost your chances to have someone identify. Um, and with you and, and want you to work for them. Um, so. Hey everyone, it's Rhea. So thank you so much for having me um, with this Twitter space. And I'm the same like Maxine. This is literally my first time on Twitter spaces. So um, I totally relate so much to what everyone is saying. And what I'd say in terms of looking at companies is that, you know, DEI is definitely very important. And if we could get a company or a list of companies that are more than just, you know, posting about DEI, but actually are recruiting people of diverse backgrounds and ethnicities and um, orientation. Um, I think that would be 
awesome. I don't know if there is this floating list around somewhere in the tw- Twitter ethosphere. There probably is in some various differences or variances of Twitter. Um, I know for me, you know, I definitely look at the company's profile and there are definitely moments where I'm like, uh, are these guys really legit? Or are they just saying that they're about DEI? And then they'll forget about it within the next business quarter. Since as everyone here knows that, you know, DEI sounds attractive, but implementing it is still, in my opinion, it's still very much at the beginning stages. So, you know, I think of some of the big brands out there, right? Like Nike or, Um, Even Microsoft, like a lot of these big box blue chip companies that have a lot of budgeting for DEI, but sometimes it just feels like it's not enough, right? So that's where I'm seeing the disconnect is more on the larger, well-known brands. Like, I don't really know if they're following through with DEI or you're just saying that, or maybe they are, but not everyone is doing it across the organization, which could happen. Um, But what I can say at least, uh, you know, in a positive note is that, um, you know, DEI is still very important. So I Mm -hmm. I do see, you know, a lot of companies trying to get started in DEI. So uh, in my opinion, there is a glimmer of hope, you know, and and for me and I guess for everyone here too, like we, we all share that passion for getting people from all backgrounds into InfoSec. And, you know, I think the more that we get involved and more that we support each other, you know, we retweet everything that we're doing that can help other people with diverse backgrounds. I, I think that's mm-hmm. like the most grassroots style that can really amplify and and definitely networking. So you know infosec is such a small world like it is literally very small like even today i realized this other person i was connecting with actually knew someone that i knew and i was like what you know so (laughs) it was in you know these little things like i didn't even you know anticipate that so um you know if there's and I, i feel like you know infosec is trying to be more inclusive so there's that so if there's somebody that knows something of an opening or you know, just like another person who could be potentially hiring, you know, I I think having that open door and also like, you know, talking about it with a community and with other people and saying like, hey, I'm, you know, coming from this background and I'm looking for, you know, this kind of position. And as long as the community is what they say that they are and is trying to work towards that goal, then I think we could definitely build towards that inclusive society that we that we would mm-hmm. definitely like to see yeah but i'm gonna put i'm gonna take a a, a different <laughs> approach real quick and um you know the other challenge that these companies have and i know this because i am a hiring manager okay and the the other challenge is the lack of diverse people in the industry um meaning the job seekers. So sometimes when I'm hiring and I get 40 candidates and out of those 40 candidates, maybe, maybe I might have five of them out of the 40, maybe 10. I'll be a little more, you know, um, positive here, but that are, you know, diverse diversity i'll just say it this way diversity candidates okay and i 
and again, you know, we look in the in the environment for people that can do the job. And, you know, it's this is not like it was in the 80s, in the 90s when I started, where we did have, you know, EEO laws that we had to hire a certain number of, you know, diversity candidates. So there's there's a there's a fundamental lack of and I think that's one of the things that that we're trying to tackle with the foundation is educating people to say, look, you know, yes, you deserve to be here. You know, you're 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 either Hispanic, you're, you know, a minority, you know, you 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 deserve to be here and, you know, helping them and educating and and get them the skills that they need to be competitive in that field. Yes, I completely I completely agree with you, Eric. I think the numbers that I get that ten percent of the people in cybersecurity in Uruguay are women, it's because ten percent of the of the people actually in cybersecurity studies cybersecurity. My experience uh, attending to courses, uh, attending to congresses, all kind of events shows me that yeah, there are few very few women involved in this field. So it's not a, a, a problem, the inclusion. The problem is that they are actually not in, in the field. Yeah, I just, listen, just a perfect example. Um, I got, somebody called me from uh, when they were at DEF CON and, and Black Hat in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And yes, it was poorly attended because it was a COVID event. Um, and I made, I, I made that mistake on purpose. Um, but... Um, Somebody called me and said, um, by their count, there were three Hispanics that they knew in the whole event. Um, so so it's can, just ridiculous. Can I take issue with it just a little bit? Yeah, go. In the, in the fact you that know I've been, me. I've been laid off since COVID hit March 1st, 2020. Um, you know, applying as a female, a female name, uh, I get very few calls back. Very few interviews. Right? Did you try? Did you try what you were going to do? Uh, I'm trying it, but it's it's not sustainable. I, that's no. going to require me. And that's ridiculous that you have to do that. That's well, I was trying to do that to get the numbers to for everybody, but it's you know, I'm not going to kill myself to do it because it's going to no. take two months of that, two months of 15 applications a day. So you know, I was trying to get the numbers, but when my friend told me that, I was like, oh, I could do that. And then once I started doing it, I realized it was much more difficult. Yeah. But the you know the thing is, is that I don't know if it's automated filters that are kicking out female names or what the deal is. But you know, it's, I'm not even getting calls back for interviews. And then on interviews, you know, like I said, I I stop mentioning that I'm trans and just kind of be as ambiguous about it as I can because I think that complicates the matters. Bringing your own what makes you a minority to the forefront um, in interviews it seems like it's harmed me. A bit. So, Colleen, you know, like I first, yeah. Colleen, I was wondering, have you tried applying for companies that you know um, do are, are very diverse, like HackerOne, for example? HackerOne is it's super welcoming to to people that are LGBT, um, QI. Um, I know that Twitter also has a policy of, like, even in their application, they say, you know, are you LGBTQI? How do you identify? Um, right. And maybe just um, 
you know, identifying which companies seem to be the ones most likely to, to welcome, um, you know, uh, minorities like us, you know, in, in, um, in the industry. Because, I mean, let's face it, it is a very straight world, very heterosexual world, world out there. And so that also mm. complicates it for people who are sexual minorities, right? It's not just about, it's already hard enough to get a job as a woman. Imagine how much harder it is to get a job as a transgender person. And uh, we have to, in order to survive, right, we have to pay those bills. Um, right, because it's for us, it's seen as extra baggage, no matter what it is that makes us more diverse or more uh, of a minority, you know, with that extra baggage seen by the hiring manager. So, you know, it's those subtle, subtle um, yeah. um, things that make up the hiring decision there. Because, you know, my question is, on the ones that you don't get, um, you know, the rejection emails back, did you just die in the email box or on the desk of the hiring manager? Um, have, have you tried networking on LinkedIn, like looking at, like getting like that twenty nine ninety nine a month just for one month? I mean, the, the first month is free. I did LinkedIn. that, yeah, a couple of years ago. And then once I really started hitting LinkedIn heavy, I started getting a lot of date proposals. People wanted to date me on LinkedIn. <laughs> so it seems like that I was getting more of that than any serious job proposals. Well, maybe so it's your Infosec bikini that's doing that part. Well, no, that was actually way before that. That's kind of what drove me to Twitter. I thought, you know, if it's just going to be this crazy world, then I'm just going to jump I'm in I'm just first. messing with you, and you know it. <laughs> and it, and then you know it totally got crazy, right? Oh, dear. Yes, yes. But I like that idea. You know, I kind of have targeted companies like that in the past, but I haven't really made that a main focus, so that is good. Uh, good idea. Maybe like look up HRC and find diverse hiring practices. Yeah, and especially that. yeah, the HRC. You know, even maybe even calling them up. You know, cold calling is not necessarily um, a best practice out there, but sometimes you know they may give you points for for trying. You know, for having the courage to come forward. So I really wish you luck, and we should definitely connect and. Um, Perhaps uh, yeah. offline we can we can talk about uh, ways that we can get you hired because I I, sure. I I really feel you. I feel, I'm not the most feminine looking woman, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, let's 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 face it. Cute definitely is something that people like. Um, and well, uh, and what is that? Not, there's I mean, nothing do, wrong with that. Do you want me that. to do the job, or do you paying me here to be a model? I mean, what's the exactly? What is that? Exactly. It's, it's very unfortunate, just the, the biases that people may have when it comes to hiring. Very sad. Right. Well, Colleen, you know I get hired for my looks. Right. <laughs> well, that's that double standard, I right? Get, I, get fired. I, I get fired for my looks. You know, gentlemen rarely have that as a standard that they have to live up to. Yet, yet again, you know, I'm joking. Right, right, right. Well, it's great that we can bring it to light like this, you know, with a little bit of levity. Yeah. But it is, it is, it is a serious, it is a serious, going back to what we're saying, it, it is a serious issue um, for all. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we've got to try to bring it more to the forefront in a, I guess, you know, in, in, 
in in a positive i mean we've been trying over many years with different organizations to try to get that diversity and inclusion and you were right when you said that diversity and inclusion could be a buzzword you know during black history month or 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 hispanic you know heritage month or something like that and all the companies turn their colors and you know and do all this stuff but is it just a buzz that they do during those months um, or is it in their, you know, do, do, do they change the way that they operate for that? And uh, I know that many HR departments hope to think that way. But just recently, I had to take a class on unconscious bias because it was so per- pervasive in the company that I work in that they made everybody and every manager take an unconscious bias class. Because even if you are a, you know, company that says, hey, we're inclusive, you're at the mercy of that hiring manager. Right. That's the concept I was trying to think of earlier. Exactly. That unconscious bias. Yeah. There's so many other wonderful people here. I would love to hear from them. Hi, I'm, I'm Jenny. I've been enjoying listening to what everyone has to say. And I've, I've heard some of the the same things that I think of all the time. I'm fairly new to IT. I've been a lover of technology since I was young. Um, As far as even a part of my personal story, I would say at a young age, I was deterred away from technology um, because I was a female. I was uh, given the impression that things of nature of science and mathematics wasn't something that I should be interested in, that I should, you know, I was steered away. But um, I was involved with technology and educated myself um, on the side throughout my entire life. Um, It wasn't until a few years ago that I decided to um, go earn a degree in cybersecurity. Um, I'm entering my third year. And, um, you know, even through my education process, as you all well know, I have to take a variety of different classes that are not into cybersecurity and um, research suggests that uh, diversity helps the bottom line. It helps make any industry stronger. Um, So when I got into this IT InfoSec industry, I was actually shocked. Uh, I don't have the numbers like Eric and Alberto have given, um, but when I hear those things and I, what I see um, is shocking. I'm surprised with such, um, you know, with um, technology. So, you know, being such rapid change and innovative that, that, uh, you know, you can Google it. I mean, Google anything on productivity of any company, any, you know, research ideas. Um, you know, I heard even Colleen saying that she wants people different than her, around her because, you know, if we, we surround ourselves with people that are just like us, it's the same, you know, the same drum we're beating. It's the same ideas. It's the same way of thinking. It's the same wavelength, same frequency there, you know, infosec and technology needs more eyes and ears, um, more ideas. Um, so more than anything, I like listening, um, to, people that I look up to and my peers and seeing where, 
why does this obstacle even exist? Um, you know, I got into this industry for the for love of technology, for the want to help people that's been consistent in any career that I've had is the want to um, help and communicate with others, make people feel welcome um, and comfortable. And when I come into this industry and see, you know, this is, this is an industry that provides service to the world. It's not just in, you know, I, I think a lot of the people in this group right now are uh, American, but I mean, we're interconnected globally. And I, I see the problems in our country and I know they exist elsewhere. And I know that, um, you know, just being more culturally diverse and accepting of new ideas in different ways and cultures is so important to um, combat cybercrime. Um, that is another reason I got into um, this industry. So when I come into it and seeing these problems where everybody is not included, um, yes, I want to understand what the obstacles are and how you know, I have a new purpose now to want to contribute to making everyone feel welcome and bring everyone together to make the industry that much stronger. That's awesome. I love that story about how you educated yourself. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, I can speak for myself and I know that I can speak for absolutely everyone in this room and outside of this room that we know what it's like to feel excluded for um, not being like somebody else or not looking the part or being told that we're supposed to walk, talk, whatever it is, exactly a certain way. And really the, um, you know, the, the diversity of each, you know, uh, each of us as unique as we are is going to provide something. We have all have something to bring to the table. And definitely, I would say, the world of cybersecurity definitely needs that desperately like yesterday. Yeah, I have a question for all the girls here, uh, Colin and Chris, Ria, Shani, Maxine, Elisa. Uh, do you think that for a woman, it's complicated to be accepted in a cybersecurity team that is ma mainly uh, conform with men because of their egos and because they are not open to accept that women might actually be, do their job perfectly as them or even better. Uh, do you do you perceive that, dude? I'm I'm scared of Chris. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I. I I can tell you, um, gosh, uh, I remember when I first moved to the Netherlands and I was in an all-male team and there was this uh, <clears throat> guy who administered our uh, our security information event manager system. And I had to give him a task and I'm telling him the, the technical specifications of what exactly I need and he goes, wow. I've never met a girl who was technical before. And, oh my God. Um, yeah. I, I really wanted to smack him down. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that, that was 
he had never actually worked with a woman before. And I found it very, very interesting and enlightening because there was this idea that uh, if a woman was in any sort of technical field, they were there for the soft skills, which aren't soft skills. Communication is extremely important. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm still, you know, surprised and shocked sometimes at, at certain things. I'm also, uh, a couple of things that I'd love to share with you. It is not the same worldwide. So I go to Eastern Europe a lot, uh, cause I've got a lot of friends there and in places like Romania and Bulgaria, uh, Serbia, etc. the numbers are, um, almost equal yeah. men and women or in Romania, there's actually more women in STEM fields than men. Yeah, I remember I and... remember in, in uh, Macedonia when I was in doing the Kosovo operation, there was it was about fifty fifty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you look at uh, places where they've made it part of their national strategy. Like in UAE, uh, they made it part of their national strategy to include women into the STEM fields. So about 80% of the women who are engineers and technicians in their space uh, uh, office organization are women. So when you see um, videos of them uh, doing their launch, it's mostly women on camera. But you look at NASA and there's only a couple of women that you can pick out. So it's not the same everywhere. And I think one of the, the big things is uh, countries themselves have to look at the problem and go, you know what, if we're struggling with you know cybersecurity, for example, we have to put it in our national policy to include diversity. Because um, a, a few of you have said, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things where you know, we need that diverse talent. Like Jenny was saying, she got into it because of cybercrime. And one of my favorite kind of uh, espionage uh, stories is uh, the Brits uh, hacked into a Belgian telecom and their uh, security team was all male and they were able to uh, basically catfish uh, the uh, male staff uh, with a very attractive looking woman. And uh, when I, I looked at it, I was like, no woman on earth would have fallen for that scam. And uh, it shows you, you need that diversity. You need the difference in languages, the backgrounds, um, the orientation, et cetera, because everyone can fall victim to cybercrime. But if you don't understand that certain things can be targeted to those groups, how are you going to stop it? You are completely going to miss it. So, uh, yeah, no, um, it, it can be frustrating at times being um, a lady, Chris, but uh, it can also be a lot of uh, fun uh, because there's now more than just me when I look around in a room in a conference. So catfishing, that's why it hasn't worked for me and Colleen, right? Because I, I, ju I just can't catfish Colleen. That must be it. <laughs> <laughs> so to Alberto's question about 
why men may be resistant to having females. Um, my, you know, we all will have our opinions, of course, or, or a variety of opinions. Uh, I, I feel that my conversations with friends of mine who are software engineers, who are male, and when I've asked them the same question, um, one of the responses that I've gotten, and that's why I'm getting this, this idea that that's what I'm about to say may be true, is that a lot of these guys tend to be, um, you know, they have their quirks, right? They have their quirks. They're not probably the, the most athletic. They're not the most, um, you know, handsome or whatever. And so there's a lot of insecurities that these males may have. And so, you know, by having the idea of having a female come in, be in their space, it may make them uncomfortable or not work as effectively. So that's sort of like a story that I heard from, from one of my friends who's a software engineer and at a big tech company, by the way. And in my mind, I thought, oh, my God, really? Like insecurity? Because uh, a lot of times these same guys will sit at a panel to hire you, you know, so it's not just a conversation you're having with a hiring engineer. Uh, for me, for example, I had to sit there with like three guys who were working in the team and they were had to evaluate me. And so <laughs> thankfully they were all men that were grown and married and, you know, but if they had been a bunch of youngsters who were like 20 years old, I don't think it would have gone as well. Um, well so I'm going to get, I'm going to tell you something that's kind of, and, and this is kind of probably, I'm not going to say unique to me, but you know, I, I just have this this good experience. Some of the most influential managers that I've had in my career were females. OK, uh, I worked under uh, even going back to when I was in the army, my staff sergeant in the army was a female that was that she took me under her wing and taught me so much. And since that person, I never, never even blinked an eye at having, um, you know, a fee I'll just say it this way, a female uh, boss over me. And, uh, you know, I like to think that because of those experience is why I'm, you know, just a little bit more, call it, um, blind to to sex race color creed whatever um with whoever i work with but it's just Look, it's probably those those foundational things that happened agreed and can i just say that my personal experience because my career is long and storied you know, i haven't been in infosec only since like 2008 so um you know personally my best my favorite bosses have been females and, you know, this is something that maybe perhaps some of the male hiring managers should hear. And I think the difference has been is that they rarely do they have the ego. They don't come into it thinking they know everything. They don't have to worry about their own ego to be caught out not knowing something. Right. They seem a little more confident in allowing their team members to be the experts on certain things. So I agree with that. And it's unfortunate that seems a bit of a reality. Colleen, you said something that really like resonates with me, um, you know, having fresh eyes, fresh perspective, uh, open to suggestion and new ideas. I, I mean, even our adversaries, they're adaptive. Um, 
we have to be to to get ahead. Um, right, and they and, don't have that same recruiting problems that we do. To be honest, you guys, when I was struggling to find a job, um, I was about ready to go in, into the other side, into the dark side. I was like, well, maybe they'll be more welcoming on the other side because I'm an, I'm an ethical hacker. I'm a oh. newbie. I'm not an expert. But I was like, wow, if I can't work for the good guys, then what option do I have? I don't know. I just wanted to say that. Well, after, after a while, you're kind of driven to those thoughts. You're like, well, you know, a lot of people are getting away with cybercrime. You know, I'm going to have to put bread on the table. So, you know, we can't look at all the criminals out there doing it as they're doing it because whatever, some of them are forced into it. They're probably a very small minority because it seems like big business now. Yeah, I wonder how many hackers out there in the world are are minorities. I, I will I will think it will be a good chunk. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, maybe because they had some of the experiences that we've had here. Um, Let's ask our resident hacker. No comment. <laughs> well, is, is it kind of hard for them all I the time? No, no. I, the, the, the fact is that the cyber criminals nowadays are winning the battle by far. I mean, they they have those who are in, on the other side. I mean, if I if I was going to accept all the proposals I get every day to to commit crime, basically, I could be not here talking in this space. I would be somewhere else. Uh, no, the thing is that uh, we have to assume it. We are losing the war. They are ahead of us. They have. But so the talented and skilled people that, uh, it, well, unfortunately, they go for the fast, easy money. Uh, that's very sad. But uh, it's about all the, I mean, uh, a private company or the government cannot <laughs> supply a, a, a salary or an income that they can get in, in working in, in a sort of criminal organization. But it all comes to ethics values. I mean, I'm not crossing that line, even though I was, <laughs> I was on the front page, paper, on the front page of every newspaper in Uruguay for something. Uh, I'm not crossing that line. It all comes to values, ethics. So uh, I don't know. I'm still thinking of doing that OnlyFans uh, cybersecurity hot tub, but you know. Well, I can give you the link um, to my OnlyFans account, Eric. <laughs> Wait, did I hear hot tub? Infosec hot tub? Yeah, Infosec. OnlyFans Infosec hot tub. Come on, we got to do it. Where the heck? I mean. Oh, okay. Do you see, Parker? This is why they don't, they, don't, they don't invite me to these things. Hi, everyone. I'm Eliza. I haven't gotten a chance to pop in, but I wanted to make sure um before we finish the evening i'm not sure i mean it's we're over on the east coast so i'm not sure what time we'll be finishing but um yeah i really have appreciated this conversation i think it's so rare honestly i found in a lot of infosec or cyber specs spaces that people will get this direct um about kind of the nuts and bolts of how you get a job you know sometimes we have the tendency to be a little bit kind of elitist or like that's not you know the stuff you talk about in the high cybersecurity world, which I think is um, sort of <laughs> not ideal. And like, it's dumb, honestly, that it should be, you know, we have this issue on the US side, a workforce development thing where we just don't 
workforce that's going to be needed in the cybersecurity world. Um, and that is largely a result of our diversity. I think those two things are related. Um, if you don't recruit people, if you don't allow people to see careers for themselves, especially people of color, especially women, then they won't pursue careers, um, just as Chris said. Um, I also wanted to mention, I mean, obviously, I think everyone knows this here, but, you know, IT and computer science, not that long ago, you know, 30, 40 years ago, was sort of primarily like a blue, blue collar, like secretarial job, like their, you know, history, like the primary kind of a lot of the leaders in computer science, the coders were just like a lot of women of color who were just basically like, you know, kind of doing the grunt work behind the scenes for, for scientists. And that's all changed as the field has been coded white as um, male um, and has gotten more respectable. But I think it's important to consider those roots when we think about where to go in the future. Um, and I'm youngish in my career and I have loved to work with Chris Kubeka. She's been a great mentor to me. So I would just suggest too that, you know, one way to really kind of increase not only like diversity, but also kind of like the solidarity is you know, doing the same thing that white guys do for each other. You have to have each other's back and give each other, you know, the heads up when a great job is coming up, you know, give someone, you know, send them the link to events like this. Yeah, basically just look for ways to mentor people and to, you know, let down the ladder behind you or uh, beneath you. I guess that's the phrase. Where's the ladder? Um, <laughs> when you're uh, coming up, you know, keep the door open for more people behind you. I think sometimes people have the tendency to be a little bit selfish and to sort of say, well, I got where I'm going. I'm just going to leave it there. But, you know, this field will be a lot better off, as has been said. No, you said something more... you, you said something yeah. very important there. Reach each one, teach one, each one reach down and pull somebody up. That's Word. I say that all the time. OK, so, Eliza, you just you just hit it right on the head. And as a side note, I'm sorry you work with with Chris. Um, it, it's a really good point. It's like, <clears throat> I, I, I want to see the next generation and the next generation after me find the same thrill, passion, happiness that I have in this field. And in order to do that, uh, we have to help each other out. If someone is interested in coming into the field, uh, I want to do the same type of thing. Because I'm tired. I haven't had a vacation in almost 11 years. And I would like others uh, to be able to uh, step up and allow me to have a vacation. That might be a bit selfish. but um, <clears throat> and, and to feel the joy that I've felt. And we have to help each other out to do all of that. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't had a vacation in probably about 10 years as well. But um, but we got we have to bring out the next generation. I actually put a video out today uh, for Hispanic um, uh, Heritage Month. And I said that I said exactly those words. It's it, it's teaching the next generation of cyber defenders or, cyber, uh, you know, just just people that come. We got to like Eliza said, we've got to reach back, you know, just because we've we're somebody or somewhere in this in this field we we need to we need to help others we need to get to a point where we are helping others because by helping others we're helping ourselves yeah and just to add like again like infosec or technology in general is a very small world so if someone is able to help one person out 
that person hopefully will extend the same help as they've received and that chain reaction will just keep going. So, you know, um, I really believe in grassroots 100% to me versus any other company that can make the change. So I know we're starting out with this group of people here. So that's awesome. But of course, this is just one step in the right direction. And, you know, fulfilling DEI really takes not just one person, it takes a whole group of people. So again, it's just simply sharing some posts or retweeting something. And, you know, if someone knows of a job opening or knows someone who knows someone, (laughs) it's really just being that advocate for that person. Well, so these spaces are the kind of thing that we should keep doing, promoting, I don't know, Parker, if you are uh, being recording this or not, or you can get the the audio from your Twitter account requesting the data, but it would be great if you could uh, get that uh, file with the recording of this session in order to make it available anytime for anyone. That would be great uh, because the more people that can uh, listen to these kind of conversations, uh, the more they can be involved and know that people are working towards certain objective uh, creating awareness that people do care and, and want to solve this kind of problematic so right uh, can we make this a regular thing yeah, i'd love that i think yeah, yeah i would love I, to participate i think we should invite um, recruiters to join us next time we have a conversation like this and just um i don't know reach out uh, and say you know we're, we're a uh, a group that is uh, very interested in this, maybe invite some journalists as well. So that will definitely get the word out. Yeah, I'd be happy to make this a um, reoccurring event. That was definitely a goal I had um, kind of coming into it. Um, Alberto, your point, making this available for others, if that's okay with everybody, I would love to get the audio, put this out into maybe like a podcast or just get it out on different platforms um, to give everybody a chance who maybe couldn't attend um, to hear all the great points that everybody made tonight um, and do the same moving forward um, for more events like this. If I would have known, I would have been a little more serious. (laughs) We like you as you, Eric. It's okay. Okay, 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 good. You've seen me on my on my on my show, so this is me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe the podcast should be called Infosec Hot Tub. Ooh. All right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That that might draw recruiters. <laughs> that will definitely draw people in for sure. Yeah, you you come for the hot tub, you stay for the jobs. Nice. Ooh. Perfect. I like that. That's the tagline. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. I, I really appreciate it, um, you know, to hearing all your points. And, um, you know, like like I said, um, um, as as a lot of you know here, we started this foundation, Raices Cyber. Um, it's it's kind of growing from being a, um, you know, the Hispanic Association of Cybersecurity to look at diversity and inclusion. But we've added this whole concept of all the allies and 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 people who support the the Hispanic community and and um, and it's becoming kind of a melting pot to 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 be perfectly honest.
business. Um, we have such a great group of diverse people in this organization. Um, you know, we started it about a month and a month and a week ago, and we currently have over 300 members. Um, we have um, about 27 volunteers that are helping us grow this. Um, so I, I, in, you know, if you guys want. Um, go to the website is www.raicescyber.org and please go look um, volunteer if you want uh, we have a great group of people um, that are all looking at the same topic uh, diversity and inclusion in, in cybersecurity and infosec so you know if you guys want to be part of that 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 community that we're building please 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 come come and see um, come and see our shows. We have Raices Live, which is on Wednesdays, and we have New Battlefields on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So um, thank you very much, and I'm hoping that that could be a venue for you know us working through all some of these issues. Um, and again, it's a very inclusive and open um, organization. So yeah, I even heard you have a cyber criminal in there. Yeah, so there's a cyber criminal in there that 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 got arrested and went to jail and stuff. Right, He's got some street cred now. Wow, that, that that's inclusive. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I, can I just say thank you all for taking the time to do this and bring this uh, issue to light, and also work to make things better. I love it. Yeah. Sounds thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank, thank you, everybody. You. Thank you. Have a good Have night. A good night. Yeah, you too.